I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Zach. He has umbilical cord syndrome. Let's talk about it. Oh, yeah. Like, as blind as some of our past guests who have... um, um, visually impaired issues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that's as, that's how blind I'm going into this conversation <laughs> with our guest today. Uh, so we're here with Zach. Hey, Zach. Hi. Um, so Zach is actually a friend of mine. And uh, Zach, you were you were rooming with my girlfriend Maddie in Florida, I like think, three years ago now. Three years ago, yeah. yeah. And so uh, Maddie's mom, she's so sweet. She's like one of the sweetest people I've ever met. And um, uh, she had told. So Zach is a, a para para kayak athlete. Okay. So and you kayak like while parachuting, yeah, like paragliding in a, in a kayak? I jump from a plane, do a backflip, float, jump into the boat after parachute. Oh, fuck. Yeah. You get into the boat midair. <laughs> yeah. <obviously>. Holy shit. <laughs> okay, sweet. So, uh, so it's really funny. There's, there's some people out there going, holy fuck, that's wow. That's really <laughs> impressive. Yeah. <laughs> and Zach's on the, uh, the Canadian national team. So, uh, they were down at a training camp in in Florida, and Maddie mentioned, "Oh, I live with Zach. He's a a para athlete." And so Maddie's mom came down to visit, and they were going for a walk somewhere. and And uh, Maddie's mom just like she took in that information, but it yeah. just kind of went in one ear out the other ear. Right. And so they're they're uh, they're walking along, and Zach has a a little bit of like a a, a limp. limp. Yeah. And um and and Maddie's mom first thing she swagger says is, or a limp. Mm, bit swagger, of a wagger. Okay, yeah. sweet. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Great. So the first the first thing she says is, Zach, what's wrong? Do you have a sore okay. foot? <laughs> a number of people have said that when I'm running. It's, people will stop me and be like, hey, are you okay? Do you need help? Do I need to call the ambulance? You know, so, you know, it's funny. We were just that's, driving over here. Really we were funny. just driving over here with Maddie's parents. And, um, and um, Maddie's parents were asking you about your training. Yeah. at. So you live in, in Vancouver right now. Yeah. You go to UBC. And there's not a huge paddling community there. Not crazy, yeah. And it's and it's kind of hard for you to get to the canoe club for practice. So you were saying yeah. you were mentioning to me that, or mentioning in the car that you do a lot of running for cross yeah. training. So and I know that you have a little bit of a limp. Yeah. But I don't know the whole story of what's going on and what causes that. And I was surprised to hear that like running is one of your big pieces of training because I thought that it might be hard or sore for you to run all the time. So what what is going on with your body? And like, let's go all the way back and tell us what it is that you have and and um, how that affects your body. Okay, so I was born with umbilical cord syndrome, which is basically like in my mom's womb, her cord wrapped around my finger and my leg, and kind of like stop uh, progression or like evolution into womb. Don't know like what word I would use. So I'm gonna give like an ASMR of my body, but basically on my right foot. Uh, I'm kind of like, uh, my heel never touches the ground. So it's kind of like a horse. It, my, for my foot, it's called extreme, 
akin clubfoot. And after for my hand, it's kind of like um, in Futurama, like the crab doctor, it's like it stopped developing. So like my fingers are not fully like the f- middle three are not are kind of like shorter in my uh, pinky. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Because your thumb, your thumb looks pretty well yeah. developed. Your pinky looks pretty, pretty normal. But then your index, middle, and ring, yeah. they look. Uh, they're like they look. They look like they were cut off halfway. But uh, you still have like fingernails. Yeah. So they were there. born like together as like a lump. Whoa. And after they cut them up because oh, I had all the muscle, and I was kind of like my parents weren't sure if they should do that or not because basically the doctor told them that I'd, it'd be weaker than like. A branch and it would like break all the time like my bones would break all the time if we did it but my parents were like that's not like a life if we don't do it so they still did it anyways so they basically it was just one clump of yeah. of of like skin yet there's bone in there yeah there's three bones and they basically were like let's just separate this clump into three yeah so how like they took skin from my thigh and after put it <coughs> on there for yeah, extra skin right. yeah because yeah. so people can't see this obviously but like to give it a description like it it sort of looks like um, Frankenstein. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, totally. But like, it looks almost like they've been like I I, I haven't really spent much time with burn victims, but I feel oh, like yeah, that's kind of, kind of a similar sort of look, you know, like of the skin graft. Yeah, um, even like the hair grows differently on that sort of skin from my thigh than it would on my normal fingers. Like it's right. different sort of skin and like skin uh, hair follicle. So the same shit was going on with your foot, your right foot. Uh, yeah, it's left hand, right foot. Yeah, and and what happened with the foot was it basically cl- came out like a like a hoof. Yeah, basically. So like it twisted it, kind Whoa. of. I can like show you if you want. Yeah, show like, me. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the more visual, the more visual with us, the better. I'm a visual learner. <laughs> me uh, too. I mean, it's it's. Hor- I can't imagine how I've listened to podcasts. Okay. Like, whoa, yeah. yeah, whoa, dude. So I have like a Z scar, which is kind of like funny because I was born on the same. You talk right into that mic. Yeah. yeah, I have a Z scar. I was like born on the same day as Harry Potter. So I'm kind of like the living actual Harry Potter. That's amazing. <laughs> like that's how yeah. I describe it. Yeah. Whoa, that's so interesting. I mean, again, people can't really see it, but it's like. Uh, it's almost like it's compressed, though. Like it's almost like yeah. A, yeah. A, it looks almost like you have your full foot, but it's just compressed in. So your arch is really high. It's kind of like always flexing in a way. Right. Yeah. You yeah, know okay. what? You would be you'd be such a a, um, a commodity in like ancient Chinese. <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, like the, those those Chinese women that did the foot binding. <laughs> yeah. So hot over there. So hot. But so okay. Trend, so yeah. other than other than your foot and your hand, is there a, there's. Nothing like it's else, not yeah. visually noticeable that you except for like the limp people don't notice um the hand sometimes people notice after a while but like either people notice it like the first time <clears throat> they, they meet me or they never notice after any pointed out right i've never noticed your hand at all yeah and i've like i've known you for a few years <laughs> now yeah. this is this is a bit of a, a departure but um this morning i went for brunch with my my girlfriend yeah. to this place called the ostrich club it's this like very adorable, quaint little restaurant in the Hydrostone in Halifax. Um, and we've gone there now maybe like this has been like our fifth time going in the like in the last like four weeks, you know, like we've oh, kind of wow. gone a bunch. And the same girl um, uh, serves us every single time. She's like the sweetest person you'll ever meet every single time she's served us. So out of five, four of the times. I've just never tuned in, except for today, the fifth time, she starts speaking to us, and I go, what the fuck? I've never noticed this, like, very distinct, like, British or Australian, I can't really tell, accent. (laughs) And I was like, I thought she was fucking with us at first. I was like, I wanted to kind of go, like, like, 
Oi, mate! Like, yeah, good one, not jolly good. Um, but then, like but then, today, you thought she was today, just putting yeah, it yeah, on. I thought she was just putting it on when she was get, telling us the special. And then she left, and I was like, Becca, did you notice before that she had an accent? And Becca was like, I just noticed it today too. And I was like, Do you think she was fucking with us? And Becca was like, I don't know. She came back, spoke to us again, and I was like, Oh my god, no! Like that is a very legit accent. <laughs> Which reminds me of the fact that you know sometimes people just don't even don't yeah. even notice the you know what's going on, especially with your left hand, right? It's like if you go to yeah. shake someone's hand, you're shaking with your right hand. Obviously, if I the only time people will notice is I normally point with my pinky because it makes more sense for me. Right, totally. Yeah, like I know I point with my pinky and people will notice, or on the bus when I'm holding a bar. Yeah, like, right. people will notice then, but right. except for that, never. Huh. So, so this has been your entire life. Yeah. I mean, it's your, your normal, Yeah. which, um, have you had the, like, let's take it way back. How does, I have nephews right now and one of them is like, we're, we're doing that thing where you hold his hands and like make him walk his feet. But he's never really putting like all the weight down. Yeah, you're just kind of like using the leverage of like tipping yeah. him by like pushing his arms up and over and just kind of like making his whole, his like whole lower body move it, side to side. He's a fucking like human skin marionette. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. And so he's learning to walk. Yeah. What was? Do you know? Like, have you talked to your parents about like what That's was something I've never to talked to them about? Actually, but I was like, so for the first like two years, my hand and leg were both in casts. So basically what they did for the first couple of years, which didn't really work for my foot, but they tried to like slowly but gradually use a different cast to make my foot flatter. Okay. And after my flat, Whoa. just because like your bones and like everything's really flexible when you're young. So they got pretty flat but after it just went back, reverted to because that's what my body wanted it to be basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. So did, did they know like, did they know before you were born that it was going to be that way? Or I don't think so. I think it was like a surprise. Okay. Oh yeah. shit. So like you're born and all of a sudden, oh, they're like, oh, yeah, Fuck, that mug's like, cracked. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so then, do you re- like what was what was your first memory of of being like, oh, I have something that's different than other people. Mm, so either wearing shoes because like I, you know like the wide scare shoes that were like really popular back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to wear those, but they got, were too baggy, so they always like hit on the ground. And after people would notice then, or when I was younger. Um, people like kids didn't want to play with me because they didn't want to catch my disease for my hand. So like basically they would like this seems like a pity party, but I don't really care now. But they like would run away at recess like all the time because they just like didn't want me to touch them because they didn't want to catch my disease, even though like it's not mm. it's not a disease. But yeah, yeah, right. And it doesn't help that you're like limp running at them. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> They're like oh fuck, like like no, I swear I'm normal. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. I uh, mean, kids fucking suck, man. Like yeah. they really, they really do. So okay, so back to the shoes though. How do you buy shoes? Like even now, like do you? So I've never. I could get a. Okay, so I could buy specialized shoes. But at the same time, like they're all kind of ugly, and I kind of <laughs> care about clothes. So I just buy like normal shoes. After I'll put a sock in my sock, like at where my heel is. Or was in high school? I was in robotics, and after I three D designed an actual orthosis for me, and it was like flexible flas- plastic. So it could like move with my foot and all that. Oh, whoa, sweet. Whoa. You did that yourself? Yeah. Whoa. I was like in a pretty, it's called like first robotics. And after people were creating robots, but after that's kind of like what I wanted to do, kind of like as a side project. After I won like Ad Worlds for that, for like doing that, which was pretty cool. That's fucking crazy. I mean, I, did, did you guys have robotics? No. Fuck. We had like, <laughs> like film and video. Yeah. Like, that's the most like, that's the most like tech, high tech. 
Film and video is my best course. Yeah, me too. <laughs> You're also good at drama, though, eh? Uh, yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah, that. Um, crazy. So, so at, at what point do you become? Do you get into athletics? So my my dad's well, of family, I, dude. It was because he was trying to chase yeah, people down all the time. He's running Start after training. Him, he's like, I'm just getting fitter and fitter, and I'm faster and faster. Yeah. He started catching the people, and they're like, "Oh shit, Zach, you're a fast runner." Yeah, uh, basically that. But my dad's side of family is like super into sports. Like my grandma was like a single like national champ for tennis. After my dad's like a marathon runner. So my whole life, like I started off swimming and my parents were like, oh, you're kind of like a fish in water after I did like basically. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, They're like your hand that yeah. it's just been like this, this one claw. Yeah, basically. It's, it just, it takes so much water. <laughs> um, and after they just like put me in like quote unquote normal sports my whole life. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't start para till like four years ago. Right. Okay. So, okay. I, yeah. I kind of joked about para, para kayaking yeah. earlier, but like, there, I'm sure there's some people out there who who don't even know what the yeah. fucking para athletics are. What is what is a para athlete? Um. So basically, the way I think about it is like you know how you have gender in sports, mm-hmm. where you have like male or female. Right. So after for a para, it's kind of like different levels of abilities. Okay. So. I only know for my sport because it kind of gets complicated where like I think for like swimming, there's like 25 different levels of disability. Um, so for piling, there's basically like KL3, KL2, KL1, which is like different levels of ability. KL3 is at least uh, the most able that you can be, which is what I am. Right. And every K- KL1 is the least. So one of the guys that oh, you interesting. So it's compete classified. against um, has like missing legs. He's KL2. Okay. Yeah. But okay. we all like there's not enough people in Canada, so we all race against each other basically. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. I'm looking it up right now. Para para athletics classification is the basis for determining who can compete in specific athletic sports and within which class. Um and that's all handled by the International Paralympic Committee yeah. with classification spelled in the IPC Athletics Classification Handbook. People with physical vision and intellectual disabilities are eligible to compete in this sport. The classification for this sport was created during the 1940s, and for much of its early history was a medical condition-based classification system. And then the definition para-athletics classification at the Paralympic Games, or Paralympics, sorry. Uh, Paralympic Games is the basis for determining who can compete in specific athletic sports and within which class. So they have like, uh, visualize visualization of functional vision, visualization of functional vision for a t- so right they they show this is so interesting they have like these little these little diagrams for people who are are classified from in different types of disabilities and different. different it's actually patterns. really it's really interesting the way that they do the classifications and like I, I'm sure that there's lots of controversy around oh yeah all they, the time yeah how they. Decide the groups, but also right. Like, do you do you do you have athletes that are like motherfucker? I should be in. I oh, should be in class three, time. or I should be in class two, or. So for me, it's kind of easier because I'm kind of like on the top end <laughs> of like KL free, like disability right. wise. Um, where like I went to a comp. So they do have like nationally where they classify you then, but after it doesn't really count until you go internationally, and after international classifiers classify you basically right, right. Okay. okay so you kind of like there's somebody in uh, all right and then yeah. maybe maybe you can tell us more about your experience with this but somebody in the national sporting organization basically looks at like what what the rules yeah. and regulations are and then they make a decision but then when you actually get say you got nominated to the canadian yeah. national team then an international person or judge would have to 
determine your actual category or verify that you are that category? Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, I was on a national team for like half a year after I went to Europe. After they were basically like, you're all, so your hand doesn't count in a para, like a kayak, basically. So it's only your lower body. Okay. So, like, let's say I know somebody in Ottawa who was missing limbs on his fingers or whatever, but his lower, like, lower half of his body was like totally fine or like quote unquote normal. normal. So, when I went, I was like almost not para enough to race as para, even though like my body's obviously different. I'm not the same level of ability as like. Oh, right. Like you were no, you were almost not able to race para at all. Yeah. Cause I was like almost like too able to. Yeah. Too able to be disabled. Whoa. Right. That's crazy. But like, yeah. but it's, and that's because you're, that's because of like you, I, I mean, maybe this is just like a, a, a poor example, but like you have a foot. Yeah. Even though it's clubbed, like whereas some some other guy might not have a foot. So how it works is that I think it's like out of 30 and after you need to lose points, but it's also kind of subjective because you're doing all these little tests with like core stuff. But let's say I've been training since I've been eight. I'm 21 right now. Right. So I've been an athlete for 12 years now and I've been working out my whole life. So like my core ability, all those stuff I've been using for my whole life. Right. So I'm obviously not going to lose points at like stability, like standing on a ball. Cause I've been doing that forever. Right. But after people can't like, this is very like controversial, but people can't play it down. You know what I mean? They kind of like, not to say that like people tell you to play it down, but they kind of do. They tell you to like, right. They're like, get on the ball. But like after three, yeah, seconds, exactly. Fall and hit your head. It's like, <laughs> very hard. It's like the reverse NFL combine. Like, yeah. you're, just going up, you're doing all these testing. And you're like, your coach is like, okay, Fall. <laughs> yeah. Trip give it, up. Give it less. Yeah. 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 Less effort. Yeah. Is that, yeah. is that like, I mean, <laughs> I don't get in trouble. Yeah. yeah totally. But that's all I'll say. Yeah. But like, is that, so, so let's put it this way. It's, it's, it's been known to people have been known to do. It's like a very, well, how do you test that though? I mean, yeah, like how the it's fuck exactly you so that? subjective. Yeah, right. So like it changes a couple, every couple of years. Wow. Like some people could be kale free this year and after could be kale two next year. Cause it like, the way the number of points you need could change or like the test that they're doing could change. Right. And I guess it's a fairly new yeah. system, right? Too. So like it's, it's ever evolving and they're trying to figure out like there's, there's definitely imperfections in it and they have to adjust and account for them. And I'm, I'm sure as, as cases come up, they have to readjust. I mean, look at like to, to go away from the para, yeah. the para discipline. Like if you look at, gender right now in sports oh, yeah. and Mess. male versus female mm-hmm. and, and the rules and regulations like the what is the I'm the so Caster, sorry you go pee again yeah no oh, yeah, do, yeah do your thing do your thing so um uh Caster Semenya and the and the oh is it the IAAF the ruling that they said basically she wasn't allowed to run because she this, had too much t- testosterone and yeah then, this this is the so for people who don't know what, what's her name again Caster Semenya Caster. From South Africa. Yeah, so she's a South African runner, right? Like a sprinter? Yes. Um, she runs, I believe the 400 is like her her best distance. And she's basically a female who who just so happens to... Um, man, she's so fucking jacked when you look at photos of her. You're like, holy fuck, look at her. Yeah. She's, she's 154 pounds, 5 foot 10, and just like built like the Terminator. Um, and she... The whole thing is that like... So she was born with XY chromosomes. She has three sisters and a brother. Um, she's a female. She she's was a, born, she's a female. She's born a female. She's a female. She's a female. But she produces huge amounts of testosterone, right? Like it's right. like she produces like way more T than a normal. Like 
your average woman would. Right. Which allows her to like fucking kill it. Is that how? And then and then the the regulating body stepped in. We're like, look, you're too. Well, they said that she had to take heavy. testosterone inhibitors to be able to yeah. compete. That's fucking insane. So look at Michael Phelps who. For, Produce half as much acid lactic acid as his competitors, but that was like a miracle. Like, like yeah. the way they talk about it was him being like the best in the world. But for her to like be born with something, then she needs to inhibit. Like yeah, that's why it's right. kind of dumb. Like, which yeah. is super dumb. And like, isn't it? Um, I mean, I know, I know that uh, he Lance Armstrong is probably not the greatest example because he's a, he he was doping the entire time. But didn't he also have like some sort of crazy air intake? Or, or like maybe his hips were aligned in a certain way he that did, were like th- unlike others I mean, that gave him a, a sort of physical advantage. He did for sure, and and all top level athletes do at some point Have because something, yeah. like you can only be so good, and then you need like you need that extra. You're born with something, yeah, right, exactly. exactly. Like if you look at something that's not even a, a necessarily a quote unquote competitive sport, yeah. but ultra marathon running, yeah. which well, I don't want to say it's not because it, <laughs> that is a, a very competitive sport, but. But Dean Carnezes, who has the record for the longest uh, amount of time run, I think, in one single go, his body doesn't produce lactic acid. So Which is crazy, That's yeah. why he's able to do that. You know, like, it's, I'm sure there are other crazy things that are going on in his brain that allows him to do that. But one of the huge things is that he doesn't produce lactic acid. <laughs> or like Alex, Alex Honnold, who did like free solo or right, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. think in the documentary, talk about how his brain, like a part of his brain is different from like normal humans. So he produces less adrenaline, so he's less scared when he's going up, which right. is kind of crazy. You know yeah, I mean? right. That's a huge advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, there's something yeah. I want to come back to. and I mean, this might be super fucking boring for some some of our listeners, but um, I used to paddle. Um, oh, cool. And Brian, you know, obviously Brian's in the paddling world. Um, uh, but there was something that you said that I found really interesting, and maybe I heard you wrong. But in terms of talking about, like, para-athletics versus... Um, uh, like regular able-bodied yeah. athletics, y- you said the hands don't really count. They don't matter. So like if if my legs are completely fine, people don't. So for kayakers, like sprint canoe kayak is a fucking amazing sport. It's so fun to watch. It's and it's um, when you really get to know yeah. the ins and outs of the sport. It's it's a fucking beautiful sport. Um, but in terms of like a sprint kayaker. Um, you're paddling on both sides of a very thick, like very narrow kayak yeah. sitting on your ass, but you're using your feet and your hips to also help like propel yourself and, and also steer the boat with your, your feet with like a, a rudder on the back. Um, now if you didn't, if I didn't, my legs are fine. Yeah. The re- my lower half of my body is fucking totally normal, but I had my hand cut off at the wrist in an accident. Yeah. Yet I was a, a kayak like a, a high level kayak, yeah. perform, like elite kayaker. Are they like, well, we can just put a fucking like slip a glove on. Exactly. Like, and you're still going to be able to use your, your lats and your, you know, basically your, you're supposed to use like when you're paddling, you're mostly using core, which, yes. is, kind of which, is, which is so funny because you talk to anybody about yeah. the sport who doesn't know about the sport and they're like, Oh man, you must have huge arms. Like you must yeah. be, but it, they're, they're a lot really of it comes just, from rotation and yeah, they're yeah. really just appendages to, to like basically connect the paddle shaft or the paddle yeah. to your to your, body, to, your to the body. big muscles that yeah. are doing the work. Yeah. Because when you, when, you, yeah, when you, when you get into like technique of kayaking, a lot of it has to do with, you know, fucking angle of, yeah. of your arms, reach, rotation through the torso it's, the it's hips. power generated from the from, from essentially the, the core. core and the hips yeah, yeah. 
So, Interesting. Um, okay, so, so that's, yeah, that's it, fucking fascinating. I didn't know that though. Like I've been in the sport, and like I didn't know that it was. So like, based Karen on, Furneaux lost her arm or her yeah. her, her hand. Like she'd be she's technically able bodied. She'd still be p- yeah. paddling in the Olympics. Yeah, you know, or, or competing for the Olympics. Or does, she does would Karen compete? still compete? No, she no. doesn't. She's out. Okay. Yeah, but uh, but um, but again, like you could compete in another para sport because exactly. the classifications would be completely different for another sport, right? Yeah. So like. Paris, like shot yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no hand. How does that work? <laughs> I don't know. You just, your mind. You uh, use your yeah, mind. That's right. Yeah, it's telekinesis. Um, interesting. Okay, so what what has your career been like so far? I mean, you're still young, but so, how has your Paralympic or para athletic? Oh, dude, we're about to. We're, I know. I know. Uh, yeah. I, we're going to get into a whole other side of things too. Well, here, let me ask this then, because I have a question. <laughs> yeah. What's the difference between para athletics and the Special Olympics? Oh, so Special Olympics oh, is uh, neurodiversity, I'm guessing, where it's like based on mental capaci- capacity. Okay. Yeah, and after Paralympics is mostly based on different levels of abilities so physically. Y- so you wouldn't, uh, para-athletes wouldn't necessarily uh, compete against someone with yeah. Down syndrome or autism. No. Okay, so that's special. Yeah. Uh, some what, some para-athletes are really Olympics. offended by that, actually. What's, what's the, but if you're, not, if you're not in the Special Olympics, what is the... Paralympics. What... No, no, hold on. There's para-athletics. Yeah. Is it special athletics? No, it's just what? special Olympics. It's just always called special Olympics. It is, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, so there's like different chapters of the special Olympics for in- people with intellectual disabilities, and they're all like basically citywide. So there's like three chapters locally here in HRM. There's like Dartmouth, Halifax, Sackville. Got it. Um, but um, it, have you seen the movie Murderball? No. Dude, you should watch it. You should definitely watch it. It's one of my it. favorite documentaries ever. It's about the uh, Canadian wheelchair rugby team. Oh, cool. It's so, it's one of my favorite documentaries. And um, those guys, those I, guys are fucked. I'm pretty sure in the movie they talk about somebody says Special Olympics to them, and the guy's like, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, straight up. Don't yeah. call me that. Like, like it's something totally crazy. different, right? And like, it's a very violent sport, too. It's, it's crazy. It's like, it's th- picture uh, Jack Dudes playing uh like bumper cars but in wheelchairs and picture rugby in wheelchairs yeah basically that's it yeah <laughs> god that's crazy wheelchair yeah. rugby <laughs> yeah i mean that's an easier way to describe it if you want <laughs> yeah it's fucking crazy uh and and also like very like it's it's just fascinating to see the passion that these guys have about about a sport that that not a lot of people yeah. like are aware of you know not a lot of people know or have like have a lot of like I guess, um, well, like so many para sports are so interesting, but they get like basically no coverage. Like that's right. It's like kind of like women's basketball. Like one of my friends is in a U of Vermont, and I went to her games, and it's like kind of more violent than the men's, and it's way more interesting to watch than like men's basketball. Mm-hmm. My humble opinion after the Raptors <laughs> won, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah right. go Raptors. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Uh, you you were saying we were going to get into something well, yeah, completely so, different. So you're asking Zach uh, a little bit about uh, Zach's career up until now. So um, Zach, do you want to talk a little bit about your experience and then also some of the challenges that you've, yeah. you've faced over the last little bit? So I kind of have like a different career than most people. Not going to say most people, but like a lot of people I know in Parasport, I'll say, where I started when I was very young. I started when I was like eight and now I'm 21. So I've been in doing it for like 12, 13 years. Um, is that because some people... And maybe this is this is just my yeah. assumption, but is that because some people only become para? Yeah, it's post accident. Like right, so, that's yeah. been like a big topic of conversation where I've had with different people. Where I have a harder time with para sports, just because like I was 
quote unquote normal sports. Like I paddled normal competitions for till I was like 16, 17, basically. And after I switched to para, just because like it didn't make sense, like people came up to me or like maybe you should do this instead because I was I was getting dead last for like eight years. I paddled for eight years getting dead last every single race, but I loved it so much I still did it every single race. Right, right, because you got to a level yeah. where age, you know, the, the the your peers that you were competing yeah. against started to develop. But in even ways. when I was younger, even when I was younger, like at eight years old, I still get dead last. Like, oh, okay, okay. But I still liked the challenge. You just I loved still, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah so right. I like, did it for eight years after I switched to para, which is kind of like how I got into running too. So I'd run with my club, but I was, like, so bad at it that I, like, used to bike. Like, I used to bring my bike and just, like, bike around. But after one summer, I was like, okay, I'm just going to get through this, get good, because my dad's a runner, like, marathon runner, ran, like, 230, which is, like, four, four, uh, 1K per four minutes, which is really quick for a marathon. Um, so every day during lunch, we train, Wait, like, twice you a ran. You ran a two-hour? No, that's my dad. Okay, yeah. your dad ran a two-hour and 30-minute yeah. marathon? Oh, shit, that is fast. Yeah. Um, every day during lunch... He, We'd practice twice in the morning, one uh, one in the afternoon. So I'd just go run on my own 4K. And like I did that every single day when I could do it until like under 20 minutes. Okay. And that's how I got into running. And after four it's I've been on a national team for four years now. Um, loved it. As a queer person, I've had my struggles, like just like identity-wise of like being like this or surrounded by straight people all the time, which is kind of like what straight people, like a lot of queer people go all, like all the time. But yeah, so I've been on the national team for four years. Went to World Cups two or three years ago now. Okay. Uh, did a couple of Pan Ams, one at Pan Ams, like done that. Okay. So, yeah. So, wow. you, so yeah, you've had basically a quite like a storied career. For yeah. for a twenty one year old, you to be on the national team for the last four years and, and to be keep competing at that level, it can obviously you know and not to mention you like you just yeah. added the fact that you're also you were struggling with your own personal yeah. identity when uh, how old were you when you first came out so i came out like pretty young i was probably like 12 or 14 ish okay i was like really i, I was really lucky where i grew up in a pretty liberal household where like both my parents were very much like a proponent like really cared about gay rights like they had a lot of gay friends so i always knew it was gonna be fine um I kind of like always knew it about myself, but also didn't because you're surrounded. Like when you're already always surrounded by like straight culture, you're kind of like, oh, is this who I am? And after you kind of like figure mm. out, like, because like I've always been very feminine. So my whole life, people told me I was gay. So it's kind of this thing where I like, I'm very stubborn. So I didn't want to prove them right. So like okay. that's something where I put it off for a long time. After that's also one of the reasons why I stayed in paddling when I, after for a little while, because they want to be like a stereotypical typical gay. So that's why I went to robotics because I wanted, like, I did woodwork and I did all that. Okay. So I can build, build you a great shelf, but after I stayed in sports, because I wanted to be like more manly and like not so feminine. Mm. Okay. And yeah. then so so did that like did were you putting a mask on when you were doing that stuff, or were you doing that stuff because you genuinely enjoyed it? A little bit of both, where I was like trying to change myself because like internalized homophobia, mm-hmm. but after also I liked it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you do you remember that taking a toll on your mental health then? Oh yeah, like it's kind of hard because like growing up in like kind of a small city, which is, like Sherbrooke, Quebec. Uh, I think there was like another gay guy in my level, and after another one in school. Mm-hmm. But except for that, there's like not a lot of people for me to like find myself in. And after mm-hmm. like sports, there's like a couple, but not that many. Uh, and I've always kind of been like like uber gay. That's what I call myself. <laughs> um, what do you mean by uber gay? <laughs> like I'm just. Just like super like flaming gay, like 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 obviously like flaming hot Cheetos gay. Yeah. But you know like the term passing? No. 
So like passing is like kind of like in more minority groups or like oppressed groups where like trans people who can pass or like trans people who can pass as a gender that they see themselves as. So I've never been able to pass as straight. But like a lot of gay people in sport can pass as straight. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, because because for whatever fucking reason they're you know they've been surrounded by yeah. straight like we, people. We have a life. friend who's who's gay and he like plays on a rugby team and like yeah. you would like if if you didn't know that he was gay, then you would just assume, oh, that guy's straight. Yeah, he's not he's not your stereotypical gay guy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like from birth. I was like just came out with a rainbow like that's how yeah, who i was right, like right. i never that's that's really interesting i've never heard that term passing yeah. before and uh that's very fascinating mm-hmm. huh. yeah it's kind of like something of like security for most people yeah it's like if you're able to pass as that you're more safe because less people are gonna hurt you attack you yeah. oppress you basically. yes that's yeah. right, right right so i was and the the thing that i was curious about and you know you're saying that like obviously you were you were like flaming gay plus yeah. you know you have you have uh, what, what's, it, what's your disability called again? Uh, or what's umbilical it called? cord syndrome? Like okay. that's what I was born with. Yeah. Okay. So with those two things paired on top of each other, and like trying to find your identity, and also partially hide your identity in your <laughs> mid-teens, like what, like what did that look like? So I think like it's kind of interesting. Where like all the stuff I was into, like even back home and in sports, was like not the same stuff that like everybody else was into because I was like very much into like fashion, like McQueen and like all those stuff. And like just like very artsy movies, like that were kind of dumb. Um, so it's kind of either not as dumb as you think. I bet Jared loves. <laughs> yeah, them. I bet you. I'm fucking right. I'm right on <laughs> yeah. board with all those fucking movies. Um, so it's kind of something where it's like hard for me to relate to most people, or like just create a relationship with most people growing up in this sport. Because I was like, I don't know what I'm going to talk to you about paddling. Like, there's so much yeah. you can talk about except for that. Like, and I didn't. I've like thought about this. Like, this is kind of like the first time, like this past month and a half, where I've trained with only guys. Because mostly I've trained with like girls, and like kind of out of my own choice because it makes it easier for me. Uh, Are you more comfortable around guys or girls? Mostly girls, because like they've been less mean to me. Mm-hmm. Where it's something where like I feel more comfortable and like more. They understand me more, kind of, yeah, mm-hmm. most times. And, and may, like, honestly, maybe because you just naturally are more yeah. it, tapped into and, and inclined to, to, like, express your feminine side more yeah. than your masculine side, you know? Um, which is all so fucking trippy because you're in a sport that, like, that is, you know, whether you're female or male or, or, or trans or non-binary, yeah. it doesn't matter. It, like the sport of paddling is a very masculine sport. It is, you, you are, it is inherently masculine. You know, it's like it, the, the energy which you give off is, is a masculine energy. It's yeah. very aggressive. It's very like fast. It's very hard. It's very like, go, go, go. You know, um, that's something I've been told. Like I've had like a lot of story with coaches. Like <laughs> most of the bad people I met, not bad people, but like the people who have like a problem, I think is like older generations, which mm-hmm. are mostly coaches. But one coach went to like, Oh yeah, that's why there's no gay people because like it's all alpha masculine people, and after mm-hmm. gay people are not that. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. And and when I say masculine, yeah, I, no. I don't want people to people listening to be stereotypically to I, no, no. I I don't want them to confuse masculine with man because yeah. I'm, I'm not. What I mean by that is like energetically masculine, right? Like there's there's feminine energies and masculine energies, and I think we all we all have that in our lives. Bridie yeah. is fucking talking about this so much lately too because of this. This guy John Wyland, who's who who dives into the the realm of like masculine and feminine energies, but um, like I don't mean manly. 
I no, just no, mean yeah. masculine in terms of the the like the yin and the yang kind of What's energies. The, yeah. It's it's very it's very yang. It's very like it's very active, very aggressive. That's like a very interesting idea because I like did a lot of research for a paper I wrote last semester and after it's like for to be man it's to be the penetrator, to be active, to like attack. And right. after for to be woman, it's like stereotypically to be like passive, to be penetrated and like mm. not to do anything basically. Mm-hmm. Just like stand there. Is it has it been a like I there's something I find very interesting yeah. about your your life in that you you know you faced this you're born different yeah. than your peers right physically yeah um and you have to face that your entire life and obviously there's hurdles that come with that and and uh challenges that 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 come with that but then also on top of that you're born um you're born gay that's like something and, where it's like every part of me kind of was like kind of stacked against everybody else yeah where it's like what I like my interests were not what everybody else wanted. Mm-hmm. I'm very gay. Like, just actively, like, just my personality, like, a lot of straight guys get kind of scared of it or whatever. Because, mm-hmm. first of all, either I'm going to hit on them, which I'm not interested, or... They, they think just, that you're going yeah, to exactly. hit on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Or, like, they're kind of scared to be associated with me because they don't want other people to think that they're gay. <laughs> right. You know, it's just so funny. I'm really... So, I'm really curious, just to, just to continue on that thought from Jer, too, and in and, and knowing yeah. you, I'm really curious... Um, how you have this seemingly incredible amount of confidence too. Well, it's like I've never had another option. Like if we're being honest, it's like I've I've very much learned to give confidence to myself and be like, okay, this is what you're doing great. This is not what you're doing. This, you're not doing this great. Because like nobody else would give it to me except for my parents, you know what I mean? Or like mm-hmm. my family. But like nobody's going to come up to you as like the gay handicapped, handicapped child in high school and come talk to you. Like... Mm. Yeah. So you had to. So you felt that you had to go and pursue those connections with yeah. others. And I didn't really have friends in there. high school at all. Like fully did not have friends. Got bullied. Like obviously mm-hmm. uh, from Quebec. So I did CJF. That's like where I learned. And after also was paddling. I, I kind of everywhere I, where I went was new. I just like understood I could create myself new because nobody knew me. Like especially because I've been paddling for so long, but nobody knew me because I wasn't at a high level. So when I like got into higher levels of paddling. Nobody knew me, so I could create this persona, not this persona, but like I could be whoever I wanted to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is like something that's pretty liberating. Yeah, yeah. right. Coming back to something you said earlier, uh, this is the first year where you've been primarily training with, with just men. Yeah. So versus like, women in the past. What What's that uh, experience been like? How's that, that been different for you? So it's been pretty great. Great. So I like train with another person back in Shortbrook and he's also gay. So that kind of makes it, he's like a couple years younger than me from my club. So like we've known each other for a while. But, like, it's, like, the first time where I'm training with only men, but he's also gay. So I don't have, like, not to say that doesn't count, but still. Like, right, sure. It's like, <laughs> Makes it a little like, easier. Yeah, he's not, like, the he's not the manliest man out of all of them, which is great. Mm-hmm. And I, I rather prefer that than, like, anything else. Mm-hmm. It's been really interesting because, like, if you look at paddling, there's no really female coaches. Like, there are a couple. But, like, at national level, there's no female coaches. Yeah, you're right. So it's, like, only straight men, yeah. which is not my ideal demographic, I'll say. <laughs> Sick Boy Podcast will be right back after this very short break. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. 
Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. What has, um, uh, you know, you're still young, yeah. but what has, what has your experience in, in exploring your sexuality been like in terms of, of like relationships? Because I know. Can I just go peeing? Yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. Yeah, you go pee. I, we should, we should mention why, why you keep peeing. Um, uh, athletes, athletes get, uh, actually when, when I called you, Brian, earlier to see what you were up to, uh, cause you were running a bit late, uh, you were saying that Zach was being tested for drugs. And I was like, I totally forgot that that's like a part of fucking competing. Cause, cause Zach's here competing for what is it? Is national trials or something? National team trials. Yeah. Um, so they may like Zach raced and then when he's done, they make him drink like fucking gallons of water so that he can piss into a cup yeah and he actually so he uh he tried to go the first time and he couldn't and then the second time he went to pee he brought the cup back and he spilled it on the table no really <laughs> he had to go a third time and it, so he was drinking so much to try to try to go and <laughs> when we were driving over here he's like he's like can we can we stop like like i have i have to pee so bad so we, anyway we got in here and and uh and zach's just like ready to do as many drug tests as he has to i think right now yeah (laughs) so Uh, so zach but you you did you race at last set of national team trials no so yeah so um basically last word was like pretty hard on me my on my body and like emotionally i had a hard time because i feel like um just being like gay after being in a sport all the time like you don't really get any connections of being gay or like very few yeah well that was c- kind of what exactly, i was getting yeah. at before you went to go pee was i know that as an athlete um especially a like a high performance elite athlete uh social life kind of like takes a backseat yeah and so you know it's a very especially with like paddling um you know, I know I know a lot of people in that world who coming up, it's like a very incestuous yeah. sort of community. It's like, well, you just you date the people you're training with or you date the people that are coming, like coming by yeah. for, for Florida training sometimes or or whatever. Or whatever and, happens. Or whatever <laughs> happens, Brian. Um, and and so, you know, in a sport where there's not a lot of yeah. gay men um, and you are focusing a lot of your time on training like had, has that taken a, a sort of has your exploration into sexuality and relationships kind of taken a backseat? Because oh of yeah, like basically zero. Like because right. like most people grow up and after have their first kiss, like national dance, like at national dances. You know what I mean? Like all my friends like that have paddled, had their first kiss there. Yeah, after like her first blow job or first hand job. So I mean, that, yeah, I, I remember, there's I just, a lot of I remember shady national, stuff that goes I remember, on. Yeah. I remember national dances being like, Oh my God, I might get jerked yeah. off tonight. <laughs> I might get jerked off tonight. Um, yeah. So like I've had like my first kiss, but I'm still like technical. I'm still a virgin mostly. Yeah, right. Cause like I don't, it's like really hard after I could do grinder, but like also not really my scene. Um, a couple of like, I kind of like the token gay. So like a lot of like, straight guys that want to try will come up to me and like kind of try i hear that's a big thing <laughs> yeah um not my target demographic of people i want to date or kiss or touch or whatever yeah, yeah um but i haven't really dated anybody or like had stuff like that what about um what about going like going away to ubc because like that's definitely that's like a huge shift one in. of the reasons why i went to you like a big city is because i wanted to like date people um but i don't like ubc has like a good queer community but like it's not huge 
So it's like kind of hard to like meet people or whatever. Mm. Um, so I haven't really met anybody yet that I'm like ready to date or like do anything with. Has your, I mean, yeah, you obviously you've said that, that, that there hasn't been much opportunity, but like, um, in the little opportunity that you have had, has your, uh, your physical disability like played a role in any of that? I don't know. Cause I don't think people are like, people are too pussy to say that. Like, and pussies are great. Love pussies. But like at the same time, like I don't think they're really, like brave enough to like say anything like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like people have first impressions and we'll see something or whatever. Mm-hmm. And after not, we'll just like turn around or not be interested or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, also like, teaching gay culture but like there's like I think it's kind of like talked about but there's like a higher hierarchy I was like telling my dad about this like about like gay people like gay men mostly where it's like most masculine at top and after feminine at the bottom and like as a feminine mm. person like mask for mask is like something do you know about mask for mask no which is like something that like a lot on like gay dating apps where it's like masculine for masculine because they only want real men they don't want like sissies basically which is like something that like is perpetuating oh, interesting gay. I yeah. didn't know this because like but aren't there guys? Aren't there guys out there like I'm looking for a little twink? Like I'm, yeah. I'm into those like I'm into those slippery little seals. I want the actually, <laughs> is, is a seal or otter? Sorry, otter. Yeah. Like yeah. you know versus a seal pup. Yeah, a seal <laughs> pup. Yeah. I, I, um, I didn't realize that there was mask for mask. Yeah. Like, so like, so guys, see, but everybody has their preference. That's right. Everyone does have their preference, and it, so is it is it that skewed? But it's like kind of like bordering. So like, there's also like. No fats, no femmes, no Asians, whatever. Right. Which also, like, if you're going on a date, gay dating app or whatever, you kind of like, it's kind of like Tinder where you get to choose who you want. So it's yeah. kind of like not technically homophobic, ra- racist, or sexist or whatever. But at the same time, you say that it's super fucking you know sexist, I mean? like, super yeah. racist. Yeah. 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 I think it was like more popular back in the day. I think people have stopped doing it now, like yeah. a little bit less because it became, it became more popular at like how fucking dumb it was. It's 2019. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I still it's still in there. You know what I mean? Where it's like, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the dating world is just so fucking bizarre anyway. It like as a straight person, I can't even imagine, you know, um, as a gay person and with a, with a disability on top of that, like how, how challenging it must sometimes feel to like even attempt thinking about getting into the dating. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. so, um, so Zach, then, yeah. like when you went to when you went to UBC to like kind of open up and have this new experience, you're obviously still part of the, the yeah. national team. What was your experience with like trying to continue training and living away and uh, and managing? Yeah, that whole experience. So like last year during Florida, I felt like this can segue into whatever. But uh, last year during Florida, it was like very hard on me emotionally, physically, whatever. And I just, like, didn't feel right for the rest of the season. Like, I did first set of trials, second set of trials, and it was kind of fine, but I, like, felt like I wasn't paddling right, something in my body. Like, I didn't have enough energy. So, again, just to just yeah. cut in and, like, get into, like, the kind of how the sport of sprint canoeing and kayaking works. Um, in Canada, our national team and, and almost all of our high-performance athletes travel down to Florida for uh, for training, yeah. uh, uh, training a winter camp, training yeah. camp. And they'll stay down there from as short as like one month to basically up to three or sometimes yeah. almost four months. And canoe kayak is interesting because it's a sport where you train almost all year long, but you very rarely race. Yeah. Like you'll only mm. race like there's three big, three or four big races 
um, throughout the year uh, and really from like spring to summer. And that will choose and determine the team that yeah. races at like basically the world championship. So it's very sh- a small amount of racing opportunities, but a ton of time spent training and training at yeah. a really high and intense level. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I came back from Florida last year, not feeling great. And after didn't make any team- teams last year, and after spending like just like doing the summer, like still training, doing that all day. Um, and after at the end of summer, like the nationals felt horrible. Like actually, like did not feel great. Went pretty badly for like me, like physically or yeah. mentally. Like a little bit of both. Where it's like I didn't have enough energy. So one of my goals for like last year for the new season was to figure out what I like what I felt was wrong with my body. Because like for a long while I was like, okay, hey, maybe sleep, maybe I'm not eating right. So like I went for like a whole list of stuff that I could be like, okay, this maybe I'm not doing this right to figure out what I was doing wrong. Um, so I went to a doctor in February, which is kind of like Florida time. But I was like, I don't want to go back to Florida after last year being horrible and continuing that and just like continuing doing that badly and like just... Right, invest it, like repeating the same thing. Yeah, and keeping the luggage. Different yeah, exactly. Outcome, right? um, and I was like, just had a hard time. So what did the doctor say? Like when you went to the doctor, what do yeah. you... What do you what are you telling the doctor at that point? So it's basically like, uh, I'm a national team athlete. I don't feel great. I because at that point I wasn't basically sleeping like two hours per night. Oh, whoa, really? Yeah. Or I was, and I basically wasn't eating for like a lot of days. I could like the only thing I could ingest uh, was coffee and water, and like oh. an apple or banana. Maybe Dude, that's not that's not healthy. I couldn't eat because my body was like so tired from everything. And so like, th- and this is at the same time that you're going to school last year. Yeah, I was like. A full class load, other stuff in my life, um, emotionally, and like just drama in life because always. Um, so I was like, a lot of stuff was happening, but I also like wasn't able to figure out. So I went to the doctor and I was like, okay, I'm not sleeping right. Nothing's going really well for me right now. Uh, and I didn't want to go to Florida with that baggage still going on, mm. whatever. Well, if you're not sleeping for like, exactly, like you're barely sleeping at all, sleeping two hours a night. Not eating, which would happen. You can't a lot. really go down to an, and and train at a high level. That would always happen to me mid Florida. Like it would always happen to me where I hit a point where I sleep like maybe four hours per night and like would have a hard time eating when you're training like seven, like fifteen times per week. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. You should be eating you need, like you need a, calories. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, <laughs> so I went to the doctor after my blood was fine, but my doctor was like, "I think your mental health is just like such at a bad point." Uh, and like I think we kind of like underestimate how much power your brain has on you and like I knew it had a lot of power but I didn't realize how much it was because like at that point I was sleeping two hours like two to four hours per night but I needed to go to bed at like nine because I couldn't I had a hard time staying up past that but I would just like stay in bed and like just lay there awake yeah exactly and it was like barely not eating just like so intensely stressed out because uh, I like, I knew I should be in Florida. I should be doing that, whatever. Like I, like I emailed all my teachers. Like I had, like my teachers were like, we're fine with you leaving. Like it wasn't yeah. something where like were you I, able to? Were you able to go to class like during the day? Yeah, too? yeah. I was like doing all that because like I'm a very, I'm just like I have a tendency to be very like stressed out and like a, like straight A kind of student where like I just want to go to class and get my good grades and like do all of that. Mm-hmm. But I think I was like still pretty like skipping a lot of stuff where I felt like it wasn't necessary like totally for me to go class um so like I still got like a great GPA and doing all that but like my my doctor was like your mental health is so bad that your brain is taking up so much energy that it doesn't have any ener- other energy to get back to the rest of your body so it was very much like trying to figure out what I could do to get back 
like a normal amount of mental health, and I didn't realize how bad it was till I was like talking to people. So yeah. What, what does the doctor then recommend at that point? Like, what are the suggestions that are laid out in front of you? So at first, it was like drugs, like mental health drugs, depression, anxiety, whatever, which like wasn't my first choice. I like my parents are kind of hippie, so like I've never really been to drugs and doing all that stuff. So it's always like trying what I can do naturally, quote unquote, to get it better. So I was like, hey, I'll do therapy for like a month and a half and see how that goes um, for my mental health. But also I could only train once per day, going from training two times a day around ish, like on in the off season, quote unquote, uh, to I like 100 percent doing whatever um, to only being able to train once per day at like 60 percent. Okay. For like a whole month after that, my doctor was like, hey, let's just like try to like, let's try and see what happens if you don't train for a little while and like don't do anything and just like basically like a normal human and see how that goes. Um, it really took a long time because like when you're training as an athlete, like maybe you have two weeks of rest per year, which like after, like after nationals, mm-hmm. maybe two weeks, but you never really have like a whole month or like actually three months of no, like definitely. not doing anything. And in fact, like, I, like speaking from my own yeah. personal experience, because I used to compete too, like, like I, I got anxiety when I took time off. Yeah. Like if I didn't train for a day or two, and even even to this day now, like if if I'm trying to go to the gym yeah. five times a week or six times a week, if I'm if I'm missing time in the gym or I'm I'm doing a day where I yeah. like haven't at least gone for a hike or got outside yeah. and and got my heart rate up to some point, then I still feel that like residual Well anxiety. it's like you you know, you're you're used to expelling a high yeah. amount of energy. And mm. so when you stop doing that it just like it it feels as though it's building up and you're like fuck i gotta be fucking doing exactly. something it's like yeah. it's how it's why workaholics just like don't stop working because mm-hmm. they well, if i don't work then nothing's getting mm-hmm. done it's just like it just starts to build up yeah i've, re- I've actually really um just as a, a little aside um i've noticed lately that or in the last couple of years i guess i've realized how how important sleep is to me too so like when you're That's saying crazy. That you were only getting two hours of, of sleep a night. Like if I'm not sleeping eight hours a night, um, I get like I get in number one, I get in a bad mood, and yeah. I'm shitty to be around. And number two, I and you're hard hard enough to be around. Yeah, anyway. yeah no, dude. <laughs> and uh, and I and I feel anxious. Like I feel a tightness in my chest. So for me, sleep and um, and good diet and exercise is like it's so important for me. Yeah. So like that was the kind of at a point where I was like, Hey, this is not working for me. Like I'm not eating, I'm not sleeping. So what, what can I do? Like I've tried on my own. So when, when the, when the doctor um, recommended or suggested therapy, did you, did you go see someone? Yeah, I did. I went like maybe a week or two after I saw him. Cause like seeing a health specialist in Canada is kind of a mess. Like a mental health specialist in Canada is kind of a mess, but I went to see them and like, it's kind of something where like, there's so much around sport and just like in life in general for me to kind of unpack and like all these layers we talked about it I here. I feel like you have a, yeah, like you yeah. have so much like different angles to, and there's probably lots of things that you know you need to talk yeah. about about related to your sexuality, related to your disability, and like all these other things too. So, <laughs> how do you get through that? So like that was really interesting because so it's like I for most of my life I've like focused on paddling for the past like six seven years where like i've like trained full time like done that all the time but because of that i haven't really been able to be queer like be gay so but i can't really do it both at the same time like 
Mm. Really, at like the end of the day, it's either like being a high level athlete, like but very unbalancing, where it's like you're putting all your eggs in one basket, all your life into like everything towards this one goal, but that like a lot of stuff suffers in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like that was like very like even now, it's like hard for me to kind of like do both or be both. Mm-hmm. I think going to Vancouver is great and like great for my mental health and doing all of that because I was allowed to be gay and like do all that stuff and like that was fine and be whoever I wanted to be, which I couldn't, I was never really allowed to before because I was like mm-hmm. in a small town, very like mid-sized town, like small-minded who didn't really get me piling, didn't really get me too. I wasn't allowed, like I couldn't be surrounded by people who were like me and like just talk about gay experience because at a certain point, like if I'm talking to a straight person, you understand to up to a certain, a certain point, but you don't understand all the rest, like especially the whole sports aspect. Mm-hmm. So like I talked, I tried to talk to people um, and do all that, but like talking to people in sports is really hard because most of them just don't understand. Mm-hmm. So it's like me talking to a coach that doesn't know me or like me talking to other athletes, they're going to get it up to a certain point, but it can't fix any of it because it's me trying to discover who I am and like what I like and what I am as a person. Yeah. Where are you at now? Like what's your, what's your, what's your mental health like these days? And, and how do you feel in terms of like your, you know, your status as an athlete versus your identity as a queer male? Like where, where are you? Um, my mental health has been pretty great recently just cause I've like very much focused on that, taking time for myself and doing all that, like going to therapy once a week and doing that for like two months, three months was pretty great. Feels so fucking you, good to talk. eh? Yeah. Did I you know. find somebody like right away though that, yeah, like the first person I met was like really, really good with me and like we just okay. like matched and oh, that was that's great. great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he was great with that. He understood what I was talking about and like also like talking to people who are not in sport you realize how much how crazy all you're doing is like that's something like oh um, yeah dude yeah like train. Yeah, people go i'm sorry did you say you train two to three times a yeah. day <laughs> i haven't been to the gym in <laughs> six years that's <laughs> fucking insane yeah so something like it put it a lot in context whereas like mm-hmm. i'm still doing a crazy amount of work and like something i kind of started to realize in the past couple of years where it's like i've kind of taken the focus off of me how good i am at paddling as this value of like how good I am as a person. Cause at the end of the day, you winning a gold medal doesn't make you a great person. And that's something I've tried to focus on more. Like is why am I a great person? Like what am I doing to help out the world? What am I doing in like different ways? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause there's so much more to you than who exactly. you are as an athlete. And also there's so much life beyond your career I know. as an athlete. Like, like at, at the most, like some people are fortunate enough to to be professional athletes or high performance athletes until they're like maybe their mid thirties. Yeah, but then you have like literally more than half of your life oh, yeah. left in front of you. So it's like, what do you do beyond that? Like, how do you take what you've learned and the lessons that you've learned through sport and apply yeah. them to make you a better person and and a, and 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 increase your impact that you as a human being on this yeah. world, right? I know that you were saying, you know, in not to put words in your mouth, yeah. but in a, in a way saying like, I can't be, I can't both be queer and be a, an athlete at the same time. Yeah. Um, or at least that's like, that was this that's realization like mentality, that you yeah. had or this mentality that you had. It's like, you can be both, but at the same time, you, it's you like, can't express both like fully yeah, it's at like the I, same time. It's like hard because like, <laughs> obviously there's like gay rugby league, like league stuff like out there where there's like gay focused sports stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's like for me, my whole life, I've always felt uncomfortable in locker rooms, let's say. Yeah. Where it's like I 
hate going into bathrooms where I, like, like, I go mostly gender-neutral bathrooms because I just feel uncomfortable in, like, male bathrooms because I don't know how people are going to react to me, like, what right. what's going to happen. Sorry, I made you go into the male bathroom no, when fine. we got yeah. here. <laughs> is there uh, is well, there's no gender-neutral yeah. bathrooms here. Although, actually, when I got here yeah. today... Um, uh, in our office, there's two bathrooms. There's a female bathroom and a male bathroom. And I went to the men's room and the toilet was clogged and I had to take the biggest shit. <laughs> and I was like, well, man, there's like, there's nothing to unclog this fucking toilet. So I just went straight to the, the women's bathroom and took such a massive <laughs> dump. <laughs> and I texted Brian. I was like, taking a huge shit. And Brian's like, cool. And I was like, in the ladies room. <laughs> I was so the whole time I was like, please, please, <laughs> no one walk in here for the love of fuck. Um, uh, sorry, but to come back to that, is there? I, I, yeah, I, I want to know: Are there things that you have thought about or are thinking about trying to incorporate into your life so that you can feel more comfortable in 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 like expressing yourself as a queer yeah. I- identifying person within sport? Yeah. So like that's kind of like the. Because not the only problem, but like let's say it's like as kind of like I think the only queer person on national sport, like national team right now, mm-hmm. and like I don't, I think like two of the other gay guys like quit this year or ever. So like I think right now I'm basically alone, like in how many people are paddling right now, like that I know of that are like either queer, like gay or ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of this hard thing where it's like as long as there was nobody in the sport. I'm also kind of like a token gay where like if there's any diversity questions, like it will come to me, which I'm happy to answer about the end of the day. Like there's always Google, like you can always figure out something out. Like you can always <laughs> yeah. go like look up something. Cause like my experience is different from every other queer person's ex- like experience. Cause like we're diverse group of people. We're not all the same. Mm-hmm. But like when I mean that it's like hard for me to be queer. Cause I think you can be gay and like be in sport and like that's fine, whatever. But it's like hard for me to find what it means for me to be a, as a queer person in sport when like I'm the only yeah. one. And, right. like, is it also yeah. too for the fact that you're, you're like so focused and like, so yeah. like, you're, you're just, your whole life is like when you're, when you're a high performance athlete, training, 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 you're living training. in a suitcase for most of the year. Cause I'm going to Florida yeah. for like four months. I'm not going to find a boyfriend there. And after like date somebody for like four months after leave and not see them for, and uh, your, your yeah. identity starts to become, you know, like your your stroke rate and your yeah. thousand time and your two hundred time and like it like you just you just start to like think mm-hmm. of yourself as all of these data points and statistics based on your perf- levels and performance in a sport and not about the person that you are beyond that actual so athletic like, endeavor. National team trials too are always during Toronto Pride, which is something like mo I can't go to a lot of prides because like a lot of competitions fall directly mm-hmm. on that weekend. So I talk and every single year is always on Toronto Pride. Um, and I have like, I'm originally from Toronto. I have like some family there. I've always wanted to go after I talked to some like higher level people at the sports organization. And they're like, well, and like the answer I got was you're, are you an athlete or are you gay first? And like at the end of the day, maybe for somebody else, they're an athlete first, but I'm being gay is always something I've more identified than being an athlete. Cause like when I'm walking the street, but like, it's not a choice though. Like yeah, exactly. It's part, part of who you are. But right. Like, so yeah. you're that first, obviously a, because it's who you are. That's a wild response. Yeah. <laughs> but like crazy. if I'm walking down the street, like most people that meet me that don't know me, don't know I'm an athlete. Cause I don't look like an athlete typically. Like I don't have like the hugest muscles. I'm kind of like skinny, like very skinny. Um, so for me, I've never hey man, really, Steve Giles didn't look yeah. like a fucking athlete, and that guy was bonkers. Yeah. You know, <laughs> a lot of people, but like at the same time, I've had a hard time identifying as an athlete because, like, 
I like love sport and I do it a lot, but it's not at the end of the day, it's not all what I do. Like, so then how did, how did like stepping back from the sport a little bit and slowing things down this past winter, um, how did that affect your, like, obviously your mental health, you've, you mentioned is getting better, but like, how did that affect your relationship with your, the sport and who you are? Um, I think it's been like, I think last year I left the season kind of like being like, I don't like what I'm doing. I kind of hate this. Like, this is not who I am. I feel like I'm sacrificing a lot of who I am a lot of the time. Um, and after I came back and I, after the three months of like not training and having like that rest period and like be able to step back and like, be, like just be me for three months and not thinking about that. I need to get two trainings in a day and like, I need to get that because I need to study and after I need to do homework and I need to do all this other shit. Um, allowed me when I came back as kind of like reticent to come back because I was like oh I don't know if this is who I am anymore I don't know if I still like this after I really realized I really appreciate the sport but like it's kind of hard to like juggle both you know what how I mean does it, how does it feel to be racing this weekend like you're in town because you're racing so are you, are you happy to be here I was happy coming here like emotionally was really harder than I thought it would be like at first like the first and friday were pretty hard where it's like i don't know why i'm here like because like also taking myself out of sport i didn't need to deal with other people having their judgments or like their impressions or kind of like the looks you know what i mean of like people i've always been kind of like not an outcast but i've always been kind of like on the outside because like being gay and disabled like i'm not i'm friends with a lot of people but like at the end of the day i don't think i'm like that close to that many people that's something i've realized also too is like taking a step back most of these people I see for like a season I see them at national team trials one national team trials two nationals and after maybe Florida mm-hmm. but like I'm not the closest with most people because mm-hmm. we like it's hard to just then makes it hard to like connect with people and do all of that you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's been interesting being back and after like kind of having judgment and like people asking questions after like kind of assuming that I owe them an answer for where I've been mm-hmm. and doing all that which I understand but at the same time um taking care of my health because I, I was at a point where like my doctor was like this is not good for your body like your body will fully suffer if you continue doing this so you need to take a step back mm-hmm. to tie it back yeah. to your disability yeah. and any hey, who knows i mean if there's a way that you want to tie this into everything because we we did talk about a lot what would you say is the biggest thing that um your your disability has taken away from you that's really interesting because for me um, cause I was born with it. It's like never something that's like, I didn't realize I had something wrong with me until I got bullied for it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like something where it's like a lot of people have that where it's always been my body. Like a lot of people ask me if it hurts or like if I feel something different and I don't know anything different. It's your normal. Yeah. yeah. Like when I was, uh, when I was like six, I went to like, I did a lot of doctor stuff and like a lot of doctors told me I wouldn't be able to stand for more than an hour by the time I was 18 and now I'm 21 and I can run for two hours straight without mm. any help because I've been like working out for my whole life. So I think a lot of the problems I would have as like a normal disabled person that was like born with it, I don't because I've like just like strengthened, strengthened my little muscles and like done all of mm. that. Um, yeah, so I think like it hasn't really taken anything away from my life. Like obviously there's a sense of like otherness a lot of times because like um i've had i've needed to learn how to like my body and like accept it for what it is like that was like a major point where like when i was younger i couldn't look in the mirror because it's like Mm. something where you just want to look normal or you want to look pretty because like and i've learned to like myself for more 
than just my body, which I think is, like, an important le- lesson to learn at, like, a young age. So, like, I think I'm inter- I have, like, a lot of facets to me that are interesting, which bring more to the t- table than me just being, like, physically attractive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the biggest thing, then, that it's given you? Strength, perseverance, like, stuff like that, which, like, I don't know any other life, so I can say it now. Maybe I would have been the same person if I didn't have this. Mm. Also, like, less judgment of people. Like, I don't, if people have different bodies, I don't care. Like, it's not my first thing on the list where I'm like, oh, I, like, you're kind of ugly. I don't want to date you. Like, I think I dated, like, a lot more people. Like, my friends have kind of described my my type as, like, undistinguishable. Like, they'll walk in their crown date. Like, my friend met this guy for, like, 14 times at least and walked past him and did not even know it was him. Because he's kind of, like, just, like, fades in the back. You know what right, I mean? yeah. But it's something where, like, physical, uh, like, physical looks don't really matter for me at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I think the other yeah. huge thing too is uh is that confidence. Like that's yeah. That's mm. yeah. It's uh I've I've definitely admired your confidence. I I feel like you I feel like you um really own who you are. Yeah, it was like a lot of people were like, well you're living your truth. Like it's really brave for you to live your truth, but at the end of the day why I'm gonna live like a lie. Like I don't like I get it a lot of people, but at the same time like I can't live any other life, so I might as well have a good time doing it. But mm-hmm. yeah, thank you. Um, well, I honestly, like, thank you for coming in here and, and having this conversation with us. I love that we were able to make this work mm-hmm. and the fact that you, you know, you're only here for a little bit of time and the, most of the time that you're here, you're here for yeah. national trials. So this is, uh, this has been a real pleasure. Yeah, it's been great for me. Thank you so much for having me. Like, yeah, this thanks been a great lot. Hearing. Uh, and thank you all so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back next week, as we always are, with another fascinating episode. But in the meantime, uh, you can do us a huge favor by heading over to uh, Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and a review and, and hit the subscribe button. All that shit's super important. Um, and if you, if you want to support us in other ways, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash sick boy. And, and there's lots of fun stuff. There's on so there. many cool things there. You can be part of our discord community. You can get love letters. You can get lots of cool yep. things like sick boy badges, but you just have to go to sick boy to patreon.com slash sick boy to find all about that. Uh, Donovan, we love you. Thank you for all of your help and making it sound like we are currently at a regatta for paddling. Oh my god, Donovan! Good luck finding that fucking sound. <laughs> cool, good job. Yeah, buddy. Wow, that sounds great. Wow, wow that's, I really feel like I'm there right now. Thanks, and a uh, big thank you to Bojangles for their music. Yeah, uh, Jamesy, Jim Jenks. Jim take part in this. Bandcamp.com if you want to hear the songs. Brian's literally being run out of the, go, out of the studio. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Jeremy. I'm Zach. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.